What incredible gift that we have in the act of communion. The opportunity to stop and to look back at where God has been faithful in the past in order to allow us to, to look ahead or even to look at our current situation, our current circumstance. I believe Jesus knew what he was doing when he gave us communion because it requires us to remember the cross. It requires us to remember that act that Jesus did for each and every one of us. Today we're continuing a series called Faith and Fear where we've been looking at the story of David and Goliath. And today the section of scripture we're going to be studying is where David looks back at the faithfulness of God in his own life which is what allowed him to be obedient um, and going after Goliath and ultimately giving him the ability to defeat Goliath. You know, this weekend even is all about remembering. You know, this weekend as we recognize Memorial Day, it's about remembering those who laid down their lives for us and for this country and for the freedom that we have, for the beliefs that we have. And for that, we um, are extremely thankful for those individuals. But I know that each one of those individuals that laid their life down, they wouldn't want us to feel sorry for them, but they just wouldn't want their life to have been given for nothing. And so that's why in this country, we're gonna continue to fight um, for freedom. And we're gonna continue to fight for the fact that each person, no matter their skin color, no matter their gender, no matter what, are valued and are important and have an identity. And that's what this country is about, and we're going to continue to fight for that. I know that we don't always agree on everything, but I do know that that's something that we're going to continue to defend. And so this morning, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us as we look back, as we remember, not only through the act of communion, not only through looking at David's life, and not only through this Memorial Day weekend, um, but through all of it. And so if you will, join me as we, as we pray this morning. Father, we... God, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your son. God, for the cross. God, for the ability of each and every one of us to come here in freedom and to be able to sing to you in freedom. God, we're thankful for the sacrifice of those men and women, those brave men and women who, who faced their fears because they believed that there was something bigger that they were doing. God, oftentimes in our own lives, that's where we have to fall as well. We have to see outside of our own situation and realize that there's something bigger. So God, I pray that this morning is all about us remembering, all about us looking at your faithfulness to allow us to move forward. So God, I love you and I praise you and lift all this up in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Well, amen. Well, good morning again. My name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here. And I want you to know it's, um, it's a good morning. God's already been, been moving in our, in our church. And uh, if you came here not thinking that um, God was going to move, well, you came to the wrong place because God is doing something in this room. And I, I fully believe that. And I believe that he's going to continue doing things this morning. I'm very excited to be able to, to, to share with you. And as I mentioned, we're continuing this series called Faith and Fear. Where we're looking at the story of David and Goliath, right? This is a, um, obviously a very popular biblical story. Many of us have heard this story before. We've studied this. Maybe we've heard this when we were kids growing up. And, but, but it's not just a, a children's story. This is a real story that we can learn from that we can really take a lot of truth away from this. And so I really hope that throughout this series you've been encouraged and that you've, been, you've seen that we can, there's a lot that can be taken away from the story of David 
and Goliath. But I, I want to tell you, and I kind of want to give a disclaimer this morning, that I want you to understand that having, having faith is not the absence of fear, right? There's a lot of times in our lives that fear is present. I even think about, or is present, I even think about with Jesus when he was getting ready to go to the cross. I would have to imagine Jesus probably had some fear going into this, didn't he? Right? But he didn't succumb to that, and he didn't allow that to allow him not to be obedient to what God was calling him to do. And that's what this series is about, is, is how do we have faith in the midst of that fear? How do we allow our faith to conquer those fears? And so that's what we're going to look at um, this morning. Um, before we dive in, I realize, too, that I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know what fears you have. And I think a lot of times it's easy for us just to say, well, you just have to have faith, right? Just have faith. But I know if you're out there and you're dealing with, with fear right now, you're probably going, you know, it's not that easy. Sometimes it's not easy to have faith. It's not that simple. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through and the realities that I go. But I do know what's going on in my own life. And, I, and our prayer is whoever steps on, on this stage, we hope that you always see um, that we want to be transparent with y'all. We want to be real with you. We don't ever want to put up a front that we have it all together. I don't have it all together, all right? And we're going to give that disclaimer. I don't have it all together. And there's some things going on in my life right now um, that prove that. Um, that's really been a, been a struggle for me, especially in the area of, of fear. And so I wanted to share some of those things with y'all um, this morning and, and uh, just to kind of um, get into this whole thing. And so um, kind of what's going on with me right now is that um, about a month ago on May 5th, um, my daughter turned one year old. Uh, my daughter's name is Harper. There's actually, I've got a picture for y'all of Harper because I just want y'all to see how incredibly cute she is. So here we go. Here's my picture of my daughter right now. There she is. I mean, come on, look at that. Adorable, adorable, yes. I actually have another picture. Too. I just want to show another picture of my daughter because she's so darn cute. There she is. Look at that. Right? I made that. Me. So that's Harper. Um, we love her so much and just been an awesome joy over this past year just seeing the Lord's faithfulness and just the blessing that kids are. And so really been thankful for that. And then last Friday was me and my wife's five-year anniversary. We made it five years. So that's really cool. That's really good. Um, she's happy. So that's good. <laughs> Um, I thought it was good that I made it this far. Um, but so me and my wife, Natalie, celebrated five years. And so we decided for our five-year anniversary, we wanted to go away for, the, uh, for, for at least for a night. And so we were going to go to Hilton Head and just uh, get, get away for a night. And this was going to be the first time that me and my wife together um, left Harper. And I know for a lot of you parents, and you know, that leaving that first time is a little bit scary, right? A little intimidating to do that for the first time. But we felt like, man, this is the perfect opportunity to be able to do this. Um, luckily, my mom was... Um, just moved to Statesboro, and so she was able to come over and to, to be with Harper. I, I know that uh, for many of us, you know, our moms who are kind of that go-to person, if we, uh, they're the people that we trust more than anybody else, and so I was so thankful to be able to have her there and to have her um, watch Harper and be able to have some, some grandma time, right? And so we uh, get ready to get into the car, and Natalie looks at me, and she's like, everything's going to be all right, right? And I'm like, yes, of course, everything's going to be fine, Natalie. And, you know, for many of you that um, when we started this series on Mother's Day, um, Natalie was out here doing announcements, and I don't know if you remember, she shared with you um, some of the fears that she deals with and how fear is, is a real thing for her. And, and for me personally, fear isn't something that I've really dealt with a lot. It's not that I don't struggle with it. It's not that it doesn't ever happen, but it's something that I haven't really um, been struggled with it necessarily. And that's something that has captured Natalie a little bit more. And, and she shared a lot about, you know, those what ifs. What if something happens? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't know what to do? And, and those things are very, very real for 
her. And so in our relationship, a lot of times I'm the reassurer. I'm the one that's reminding her that things are all right, reminding her things are going to be good, reminding her of God's faithfulness. That's just kind of what a lot of times things look like. And so yet this was another opportunity where I got to say, Natalie, it's going to be fine. It's going to be good. And so we head on down the road to Hilton Head. We get to the hotel, get all checked in, go ahead and go on up to the room. And the first thing we do when we get to the room is we go out to the balcony. That's right. I splurge for the balcony because it's five years. You got to go big. Right, And so it was going to be an awesome time. We got into this balcony, a beautiful view of the beach. I went ahead and took a picture of um, the view, and I sent it to my mom because what we do in my family is whenever we do something nice or we go somewhere nice, we like to rub it in to the person that's not there. Anybody else do that? You like to do that? Right. I, I love doing that. And um, she goes on cruises a lot, so she always takes pictures and rubs it in on me. So I had good opportunity for me to be able to do that to her. So I sent her this picture, and we're just sitting out there. It's beautiful. Me and Natalie, we high five because we're like, finally, we're away. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good night. And then a couple minutes later, my mom gave me a call. And I figure she's going to be upset with me, you know, rubbing it in and just letting me know everything's going well. And so I get this phone call, and on the other end of the line is, is my mom. But instead I hear a voice of fear, a voice that's trembling, and a voice that says, you need to come home. She's having a seizure. Now, what I didn't say is that... Um, at my house, my mom was, was there at the house with my 95-year-old grandma. And we call her Jem. That's the um, name that we call her. And she's probably healthier than any other 95-year-old that exists. But recently, um, she's passed out a couple times. And so we were kind of been concerned about well, what, have, what if something happens to Jem while you're staying over here? And so we're kind of worried about that. That was something we were concerned about. So my first thought is, man, Jem's having a seizure. I mean, maybe, maybe we haven't been able to figure out what's going on. And so that's what I said. I was like, you mean Jem? And she says, No. She said, Harper. And all of a sudden, that picture of that little girl immediately comes and flashes in my mind. And everything kind of slows down and speeds up all at the same time. And that guy that was that reassurer that says, everything's going to be all right, that, that rug kind of got pulled out from underneath me. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. You know, I wanted to be um, that husband that grabbed his wife and said, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. We're gonna, it's going to be okay. And I, and I couldn't do that. I didn't do that. Ultimately, we ended up um, getting, um, getting back. We found out that um, Harper had a, a febrile seizure that was put on by an ear infection uh, where it caused her uh, fever to, or to spike a fever very, very quickly. Um, luckily, she's not had one since. Um, she's doing, doing great, and we kind of figured out hopefully what's been going on, and so hopefully it's never going to happen again. And so, you know, obviously, like, I'm so thankful that she's okay and she's, she's doing fine, but it's like I feel like, what do I do now with this? You know, and me and Natalie, we've had thought or talks this past week of like, how do we even sleep at night now, you know? And maybe if you're a parent out there, you're going, yeah, welcome to parenthood. That's pretty much what it's all about, you know? But I don't know what to do, what to do with this, you know? And I just feel like this whole week, I've just failed at being the strong one. You know, when I got to the hospital, you know, I wanted to, to go to my mom and I just wanted to give her a bear hug and just say, thank you for taking care of my daughter. Thank you for being there. I, and I didn't do that. I didn't grab her. I didn't pull her in because I was scared, and I just felt like I didn't have it in me. I couldn't be the strong one. That's where I'm at right now. I don't have this fear thing figured out right now, and I'm struggling in this. And so I want you to know this, that we look at this message this morning. To be perfectly honest, um, it's not for y'all this morning. The message today is, is for me. 
The message today is something that I'm having to tell myself. I'm having to remind myself. Um, again, I've not done it perfect this past week. Um, I've messed things up. I've had to apologize to some people because I just haven't gotten it right and I've been struggling. Um, but I know, I know this, this, this Bible to be true. And I know in moments where we don't know what else to do, um, that we turn to, to God's word and we see what it has to say. And that's what I want us to do to, today. My, and my prayer is that though this might be a message that God has given me, I, I pray that you are encouraged by it. And I pray it's maybe the very thing that you need to hear as well. And so um, we're going to be in 1 Samuel um, chapter 17, beginning in verse 32. We're going to read five verses this morning. Um, everything we have today is going to be all um, out of this section of Scripture. And, um, and so basically we're just going to be um, looking at this, again, at, at this story. This is the, the, a section where David's basically going to Saul and saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to fight Goliath. I'm going to fight this, this Philistine. What's going on here is that the Philistines were attacking Israel. And basically somebody needed to step up and to fight off this Philistine warrior. So that's, the, that's where we're at. And basically, um, this is David getting ready to speak to, to Saul and to step up and do this. And so starting in verse 32, it says this. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Pretty powerful section of scripture that we see right there. And what I want us to do is I want us to look and see what does God have for us in that particular section. And I believe that there's four realities or there's four truths that I want to be able to pull out of this section of scripture and allow that to be what speaks to us this morning. And the first one comes out of verse 33, and it says, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine. And whenever I read that, the words, you are not, just jumped out to me. And the first truth of the first reality is this, is that you are not is always where the enemy begins. Has anyone in here ever heard the phrase in your mind, or maybe you've heard that, that, that voice of, you're not able to do this. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not good looking enough. Every one of us has one of those things that maybe the enemy has shouted to you that you are not blank. For me, last weekend, honestly, what, what I heard is, you are not going to be able to ever leave again. Or the other thing he told me is, you're not here. He was letting me know that, you know what, you're not there for your daughter right now. She's going through this without you. And I heard this voice of the enemy saying, you are not a good father. How quickly the enemy uses these scenes to tear down our identity, to tear down who we are. And ultimately, when that happens, we lose our identity in who God is. But see, I think it's important for us to know this. I think it's important for us to know that the enemy's going to throw this at us. It's important for us to know his playbook. 
Because if you think about it in terms of football, you know, wouldn't every football coach want to know what the opponent's playbook is, right? What plays they're going to run. Because that changes the way you do your offense. That changes the way you do your defense. I think it's important for us to know that the you are not statements are going to come up in our lives. Satan's going to try to throw those things at us. And here's what happens when that, when that happens. When I heard those statements, what I began thinking is, man, I just feel like I'm being robbed right now. I felt like I was robbed of my anniversary. I felt like I was robbed of that, maybe that, that bubble I had around Harper a little bit. And I just felt like the enemy was winning. Have you ever felt like the enemy's winning in your life? It just feels like you're just getting beaten down and beaten down. And I remember talking to Brandon this past week and saying, Brandon, I gotta be honest, I just feel like the enemy's winning. I feel like he's getting exactly what he wants. And he's just robbing me. And he said, John, you know, there's a reason that you feel that way. In John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It makes complete sense that there's moments in our lives that we feel like we've been robbed because that's what the enemy wants. He wants to steal from us. He wants to rob from us. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. We need to be aware of that. I don't say that to scare us. I say that so to, to almost empower us so that we are aware of what's going on, so that the second we hear those you are not statements, we can replace it with the you are statements that God tells us, right? You are a royal priesthood. You are my special possession. But we have to be able to have that arsenal of things to be able to combat back with what the enemy is trying to throw us. Because here's the thing. In the moments that it seems like the enemy is winning, those are the moments that God is working Think about this. Think about the cross. Think about when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Didn't it look like the enemy was winning? I bet the enemy thought that he was winning. I bet Satan was sitting there going, I've done it. I've put your Jesus, I've put your God on the cross. I've killed him. And meanwhile, God's going, if you only knew. If you only knew. Because you might be looking and celebrating the crucifixion, but there's this thing called the resurrection coming. And I'm going to win and here's the reality in our lives. In the moments that we feel like the enemy's winning and we don't know what else to do, we know the end of the story. We know that the enemy doesn't win. We know the end of John 10.10 10, where it says that Jesus said, well, I have come to give you life and to give it to you in the full. So the reality is that though Satan tries to steal, we have a God who wants to give. We have a God that wants our best for us. What incredible hope there is in that. So yes, the you are not statements come in our lives. And we've probably all experienced that. Maybe you're experiencing that even that this morning. Maybe the enemy's trying to tell you something even right here in this moment. And I would, I would cast that out in the name of Jesus because Jesus is saying something different to us. And today I think we need to begin listening to that voice. Continuing on in verse 34, it says, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. There's another translation that says, when there came a lion or a bear. And when I thought about that, I thought about when there came will come. That's the second truth or reality that I want to give you all this morning. When there came will come. The reality is there's going to be experiences, there's going to be circumstances in our lives that are going to come. There's going to be things that we walk through. But for, for a moment, I want to stop and think about this circumstance, this thing that David just talked about 
that came, this, this thing that he went through in his life. Because I think it's easy to look at the story of David and Goliath and just look at the, the moment that David defeated Goliath. But there's something that David just said there that's pretty crazy. He just said, I fought a lion and a bear. Anybody else ever fought a lion and a bear, right? Other than like Matthew McConaughey, I don't think anybody else have done, has done that, right? It's pretty crazy. And it's almost like, I don't want that to be a footnote of the story. That's a pretty intense and pretty crazy thing. And I almost kind of want us to, to picture that for a second. I want us to picture what that might have been like. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to do a little imaginating. And that's not right. Imagine, um, imagination. We're going to have some imagination time. That works. Okay. Um, I promise I went to college. Um, but this is what we're going to do. I want us all for a moment just to close our eyes. And I want us to, to put ourselves in David's shoes. All right, so we're all, all of our eyes are closed right now, and we're just sitting here, and we're out in the pasture, right? And we've got maybe a hundred head of sheep or so all around us, and we're just, we're out there by ourselves. It's quiet other than the, the sheep's just walking around. We smell the grass. We smell, well, the, the sheep, right? We're beginning to kind of get a picture of what it's like out there, and we're just out there. We're just, we're a, we're a shepherd. We're just taking care of our sheep. When all, all of a sudden, standing there right in front of us is a lion. <laughs> Who peed in their pants just a little bit? We, we can be honest, right? All right, so I did that for a reason, okay? So I didn't mean to, to scare you or to alert you. But, like, I almost feel like when you hear a lion's roar, it makes it a little bit more real, doesn't it? It makes it a little bit more intense. And other than just words on a page, all of a sudden we're like, holy moly, a lion is sitting in front of us. What am I supposed to do, right? How crazy of a story this must have been. How fearful David must have been. This wasn't just a light story where David's just talking of, yeah, that was no big deal. I just fought a lion, fought a bear, whatevs, right? He wasn't saying that. He's like, man, this was, this was an intense time. This was a scary time that I went through. But ultimately, that's what equipped David to be able to continue on. I think oftentimes what we do, though, is we begin to misplace our fears. We begin to misplace and we begin to allow things in the past or things in the future to affect us here today. Recently, I was um, looking through Facebook and there was a video I came across and it was of this great theologian of, of our day right now. And you all might be familiar with him, but I, just, I was pretty encouraged by it. And um, his name, I don't know if you all know him, his name is uh, Will Smith. Fresh Prince, yeah? Okay, you all know him? Um, so Will Smith seemed to be on this inspirational role and so he was, um, in this video, he was sharing with people about this time that he decided to go skydiving with his friends. Maybe y'all have seen this, this video before, but he decides, all his friends decide, hey, let's go skydiving tomorrow morning. And so they're like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And so the, that night he goes home and he's like, what am I thinking? Like, did I just commit to jumping out of a plane? Like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. And so that whole night, he's just riddled with fear of like, what am I doing? And he wakes up the next morning and he's like driving to the airstrip, and he's like, I can't believe I'm driving over to a place where I'm going to get into a plane and jump out of this plane. And all of a sudden, he goes there, and they have their safety meeting, and they're like, okay, if the chute doesn't open, here's what you're going to do. And he's like, and probably since this is Will Smith, he's, there's probably a lot of, woo, woo, right? Because that's what Will Smith does. He just woos all the time. So he's probably doing that a lot. He's just worried about what's going on. He's like, I can't get over this fear that I'm feeling. God, I'm about to jump out of a plane. And all of a sudden, they, they go up in the plane, and that fear is just building and building and building. And he goes up to the door, and they said, okay, we're going to go out on three. We're going to say one, two, three, and you're going to jump out. And he's like, still, all that fear is just building and building. So they're like, one, two, and they push him out of the plane, right? Because on three, you hold on to the sides, 
right? So they push him out of the plane. He said, it's in that moment, he said that, where I should have the ultimate fear. I'm in the most danger that instead I have ultimate bliss. He said, I'm flying. I'm going through the air. And he said, it just hit me in that moment is that all leading up to that point, I was so fearful. But in reality, when should I truly have had fear? It was the moment you jump out of a plane. That's when fear should really be present because you literally just jumped out of a plane. There's plenty of things to be fearful there. But going to sleep that night, did he have anything to fear? No, he wasn't in any danger. Driving there, wasn't in any danger. In a safety meeting, wasn't in any danger. But he was allowing the anticipation to rob him. You know, and I think about that, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. Maybe he's actually onto something. But I think, what, I think a lot of times we borrow maybe pain from the past, some of our past experiences, or maybe we, we borrow some anxiety of the future, and we allow that to ruin today. We allow that to ruin what we're currently going through because we can't shake what maybe happened in the past or maybe what's going to happen in the future. But here, here's the thing is that, for him, once you jump out of an airplane, what does that allow you to do the next time you face something? It gives you a little bit more confidence to be able to do that. Because if you've jumped out of a plane, I mean, what can't you do, right? The strength that that would probably give you, because you overcame that, I mean, what is that going to give you the ability to do? When we look at David's life and we think about what he brought him through by allowing him to defeat the lion and the bear, the reality is that David would have never been equipped to battle Goliath had God not developed him in the pasture, right? There was a lot of things that David had to go through in the pasture to prepare him for going after Goliath. The next point is uh, in verse 36. It says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. When I read that, the words will be like just jumped off the page. I believe that's the third thing, the tr- third, re- third reality or truth is that your will be like is your hope. Your will be like is your hope or is where your hope is found. And here's what I mean by that. What David's doing here, the first thing that he's doing is he's, he's almost, he's taking Goliath and he's comparing him to an animal, right? He's almost belittling Goliath. And he's looking at Goliath. He's looking at this thing he's getting ready to tackle And he's looking at it for what it truly is, an animal. And so the first thing that David does is he looks at this and he acknowledges and says, look, I'm not going to make this fear greater than it truly should be. That's the first thing that David begins doing. But the thing that I think about this is that David had the confidence to go after Goliath because of what he had already been through in his past. Again, he thought back to this lion and the bear. And he was able to say, look, because I went through that experience, because that was a terrifying experience, but I went through it and I conquered it, I now have the hope. I now have the confidence in the Lord to move forward. And here's what I realize is I think that a lot of times our past victories or our past circumstances in our lives, that's what allow us to conquer our future fears, right? Our past experiences or our past victories allow us to conquer our future fears or our future circumstances. Here's what's crazy is that when me and Natalie were driving to Hilton Head, we were talking about, you know, these past five years of being married and if we had any regrets from this past five years. 
And one of the things um, she talked about is that um, a couple years ago we were, had moved to Atlanta and she was um, teaching up there. And it was just kind of, it was a tough time for us. It was a hard time, a very trying time. The school that she taught in um, was a pretty rough school. Um, she actually, um, she was a third grade teacher and she was spit on. She was slapped in the face. Her desks were flipped over by um, a very troubled child. It was a very scary and tough time. And, you know, as we're driving, she said, you know, honestly, I wouldn't mind having that, that time in, in my life taken away. You know, I wouldn't mind that not have happening. And the more we talked about it and the more we discussed it, what we realized is that who she is today is because of that experience that she went through. Right? The, the, the trouble and the trying time that she went to, that's now made her a better teacher. That's now made her a better leader. And I think sometimes with fear, what we do is we go, well, if God brought me through this, well, then what is coming? right? Maybe people that that battle with fear, maybe that's your first go-to. If you're saying, well, God's always preparing us. He's always preparing us for the next thing. Then something bad's probably coming because this was a rough thing. So is something worse coming? And I think that's, again, a lie of the enemy is why is it that God has to constantly be preparing us for something worse? For Natalie, yes, there was a tough situation that she went through. There was a tough time of her life, but that has now equipped her for something great, for the season that she's in now where she's at a great school and she's got great kids, but it's made her that much better of a teacher. And so he used something that, yes, was rough, but now is using it for good, not for a worse experience, for a greater experience. How would it look if we began looking at things a little bit different? Maybe God is preparing us for something even greater. Maybe he's using something that has been rough in our life for something even greater. Again, I think back to this, this past weekend. And as we were driving back um, to get to the, the hospital, honestly, Natalie did pretty good through that, that whole time. I was honestly expecting her just to be a wreck. And as soon as we found out um, what was going on with Harper and what type of seizure it was and what was happening, Natalie was familiar with this type of seizure. She had had friends that had um, children that had gone through this in, in the past. And so she kind of knew what to expect and knew that you know, there wasn't really necessarily a, a, a long-term side effect to this. And so it almost gave her a sense of peace. It didn't mean that the fear just magically went away, but she, because of her knowledge, it gave her the confidence to be able to, to continue on. The reality is I didn't know any of that. I've never heard of this before. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what the ramifications were of this. And so honestly, during that drive, I was struggling a lot more than her. So here's this person that struggles with fear, but yet because of what God had taught her in the past, it gave her the confidence to move forward. In the same way for David, because of what David experienced in his past, it gave him the confidence to move ahead. Because here's the thing is that, you know, when we, I think about pilots or I think about doctors, you know, if you're getting ready to get onto a plane or you're getting ready to go into a surgery, what is it that you want a pilot or a doctor to have? Experience, Right? You want that doctor or that pilot to have experience. You don't want to be jumping onto a plane that that's that pilot's first time ever flying a plane. They're like, well, we're just going to figure this thing out, right? You don't want that. You don't want to go into a surgery going, this is the doctor's first time trying to figure this thing out. And it's like a game of operation, you know? You don't want that. You want somebody that's been through this before. Because you, you know if something happens, if, if some type of emergency happens, that they know what to do. It doesn't mean it's not going to be scary. I mean, I think about, you know, Captain Sully Sullenberger. I'm struggling today, just forgive me, right? But like, here was a guy that had a, a lot of experience. And so an intense moment happens, but you know, he was able to stay calm. It didn't mean he, didn't, he wasn't fearful, but he knew what to do. He knew how to handle the situation. And I just think about the difference when we have 
that knowledge, when we go through those things, the power that it then gives us and how, how much greater God can use us in those situations. We've got a, a team getting ready to go to Honduras on Saturday, but we're not just sending them unprepared. Over the past several weeks or several months, we've been pouring into them. We've been having classes together. We've been teaching them about what to expect and how to handle this and how to handle that. We've been equipping them. We've been giving the tools necessary to go into this and to be successful. doesn't mean there's not going to be fears present, but they're going to be able to go into that with confidence. David went into the battle with Goliath with the slingshot. He had the tools necessary. didn't mean he wasn't scared. didn't mean he didn't have fear. That, that was probably present, but he knew I've got the confidence to be able to move forward. The final thing that I see in this is in verse 37. It says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You know, when I look at that and I think about that point and I think about that reality, I mean, how encouraging is that? To be able to, for, for David to be able to look back and go with confidence, look, the same God who delivered me from the lion and from the bear, I know he's going to deliver me in this situation. But David had to look at God through the light, right lens. David had to look at God with that understanding of who God truly was. A lot of times in our situations, when we go through tough times, the first thing we want to do is we want to blame someone. We want to put blame on a situation. If we get um, in a car accident, we want to blame that other person. We want somebody to take responsibility. And when there's nobody to take responsibility, who do we blame? We end up blaming God, don't we? But that doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to blame God, but we, we want to do that. And I want to show you that that argument or that thought really doesn't hold up. Because for us to blame God would mean that God would want to cause us harm. And if God wanted to cause us harm, then he wouldn't be good. But we can look at the cross and we can look at Jesus and realize that God is good. That's the proof that we can always hold on to, that God is good. So if we know that, then that means that God doesn't want to cause us harm. Right? He, just like in John 10.10, he wants us to have life and have it abundantly. He wants what's best. It doesn't mean that he's not going to allow things to happen, but can we have the hope that he's going to use those things for our benefit? And it's just that shift of if instead of putting all of the blame on God, what if we put all of our hope on God? But what does that look like? What does it look like to put all of our hope in God? You know, Scripture talks about having a childlike faith. And I've often wondered, what does that look like? What does it look like to truly have a childlike faith? My daughter Harper is just now getting to that age where she, when she's upset or when she has a bad dream or something like that, she just wants to be, be held by, by mommy or by daddy, right? She wants to feel comforted. She might not understand what's going on, but she just knows if I'm in daddy's lap, it's, it's okay. It's gonna be all right. There's a sense of comfort. There's a sense of security there. There's a picture that I wanna show you all right now. This is a picture of Harper um, in my arms at the ER. This is um, not long after we got to the hospital. And that's all I wanted to do that entire drive. I just wanted to hold my daughter. I wanted her in my arms. I wanted to be able to whisper to her, it's okay, I got you. Daddy's here. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect you. Because I knew that there, she was probably so confused about what was going on. She didn't know what was happening. She didn't know why these ha- things were happening to her body. She didn't know why all these doctors were just poking her. And so to be able to sit in daddy's lap, it gave her that sense of comfort. 
of, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I'm in daddy's arms again. And that's so much of what I want. As her father, I just wanted to hold her. I wanted to tell her, it's okay. It's all right. I wanted that so much. That's what that childlike faith looks like. It means that it doesn't mean you have everything figured out. It doesn't mean you have answers of what all is going on. But what it does mean is that you can climb up and stand in your father, or and climb in your, in your father's lap and know that it's okay. It's all right. Maybe today we need to climb back into the father's lap. Maybe our circumstances or what's going on in our lives has, a, has questioning in things or maybe questioning God's goodness. And maybe today we need to put that aside and look to the cross and realize that we have a good and loving father who wants to hold us in his, in his arms and let us know it's okay. And that while in your situation it might appear as though the enemy is winning, I want you to know that I am working that God is looking at you saying, look, I want you to know this, and I know you don't understand what's happening. I know you don't understand it. But hold on, I'm doing something. I'm working on something. And it's not meaningless. What you're going through is not meaningless. There's not just no purpose for it whatsoever, that God is using all of these things. Scripture is true in Romans where it says that he is working all things together for good. It doesn't mean bad things doesn't happen. It means when those bad things happen, that God is going to use that for his glory. That is the, the whole point of the Bibles we see over and over again, where God is using things for his glory. He's using what the enemy tries to throw at us. He's, he used where the enemy was trying to kill the Savior of the world. And God then turned that around and made that the greatest thing that has ever happened in all of eternity. Do we believe that God has that ability? And if God has that ability to do that in Jesus' life, then he absolutely has has the ability to do it in your life. And I want you to understand that. I want you to know that this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what experiences you've gone through, what you've seen in your life. But I know in some crazy way, God uses these things. He uses these things to prepare us. And it's not for bad things, but it's for great things. God is preparing things for each and every one of you, for ways for you to be able to use by him. How incredible is it that he lets us be a part of this story, that he doesn't just do it all on his own, that he says, you know what? I want y'all doing this with me. And I'm going to allow my plan and my vision for humanity to be carried out through each and every one of you. And I'm gonna use each and every one of your circumstances and your situations and the story that God is writing in your own life to be that thing that reaches that next person. I know God's writing a pretty crazy story in my own life. I don't always understand it. And there's some scary moments, but I have the confidence that God is working. So this morning, maybe you've never been able to, to trust the Lord for the first time. Maybe you've never been able to put your hope in him. Maybe you've never been able to climb up in his arms and just be comforted by him. And maybe some of your circumstances have been the cause of that. And this morning, I'm not gonna be able to give you all the answers. I'm not gonna be able to give you the explanation of why those things have happened. But I do know that God is, is, gonna, is using those things and wants to use those things. And he wants... He wants you to climb up in his lap and he wants to whisper to you, I love you and I'm doing something and I'm working on something and I want you 
to trust me in this. Because there's gonna be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will profess that Jesus is Lord. And I want you to be part of that story. So if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never put your hope in him. And we wanna give you that opportunity. And if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand in the air for us to celebrate and for us to see how the Lord's moving in your life and just to help you take that next step. Is there anybody here this morning that that's you? You need to climb up in his lap and just hear him whisper that he loves you. Okay. For the rest of us, I pray that this morning was um, encouraging. I pray that we don't look at this as another thing to be fearful of because we know that something might happen. But we look at, you know what? I'm gonna choose to believe that God is using all the things in my life for something, that he has something greater at work. I wanna pray for us and I wanna pray for each one of you. If If you just need some prayer, something you're going through in your life, I'd love for you to come forward. We've got some prayer people that would love to pray with you. But I want you all to, to leave here refreshed. I want you to leave here knowing who God's called you to be and knowing that he's using you. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you for your son. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that even when it seems that the enemy's winning, that that's it's not the end of the story. That we can have the confidence that you have already won. We can have the confidence that you are working in all the things that are going in our lives, all the things that we deal with, that they're being used for your glory. And that, you're, that one day you're gonna make everything right again. And until that point, I pray that we can continue just to hold on and to grasp and to make it one more day. And sometimes that's all we can do is we can just make it one more day. But God, we know that you love us. And I just pray that this morning we leave here knowing that. We might leave here with still some more questions of what's going on, but we leave here knowing that you are good and that you are faithful and that you are sovereign. So it's in your son's name that we lift all this up. Amen. Thank you all so much. Um, Hope you all have a safe weekend. Enjoy your time off. And we will see you all next week.